Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining our podcast. This is Cindy Carter and Carmela Toller bringing to you Good Life Conversation, exploring social role valorization and life-wasting prevention for people with disabilities. These conversations are for everyone. Maybe you have a disability, care for someone with a disability, or you are just curious about how people with disabilities are devalued every day right before your eyes. We can explore these topics and others during the Good Life Podcast. Welcome to the Good Life Podcast. I'm Cindy Carter. And I'm Carmela Toller. And we are thrilled today to have a guest speaker that is phenomenal. Lonnie, can you please uh, share with our listeners who you are? Yes, I am Lonnie Bedwell. Uh, I'm an extreme, blind, extreme sports athlete, if you will, adventure athlete. And what does that mean? Well, uh, (laughs) uh, adventure athlete means, uh, I guess, uh, someone that goes out and hikes and climbs, kayaks, rock climbs, snow skis, all sorts of outdoor adventure sports. Amazing. The best way I could describe yeah. it. So what's the, what's the latest mountain? What's the last one that you climbed? The last mountain that I climbed was Mount Denali up in Alaska, which is the highest peak in North America. Well, Lonnie, I, we, you did that introduction kind of quick and talked about all these extreme places, but I, I just have to emphasize that you do all of this and you said you're blind? Well, I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm blind in my left eye, but I just can't see out of my right one. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am completely, uh, totally 100% like out blind uh, in both eyes. So, consider myself, and I like to tell people this as well, I consider myself as LOL cube. You know, um, what does that mean? And uh, lights out Lonnie, <laughs> who likes to laugh out loud with lots of love. I kind of like to throw that out there. That way, when people are sending a text message or an email and they put LOL on the end of it, they'll have the nightmare of having to think about me every time they do it from now on. <laughs> <laughs> You're changing the world, Lonnie. <laughs> One text at a time. Wow. <laughs> One text at a time. <laughs> So how do you do that? How does how do you become an extreme athlete when when you're you don't have the vision? How do you, how do you manage that? Well, to me, I like you know it takes a team around you for sure to do that. But I like to twist a little bit of what you just said there. Is I don't have eyesight, but I have a ton of vision, and we have a ton of vision. You know, I, I truly believe our. Our true vision is within our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our spirit. Eyesight is just a, a function of that. And, you know, it, it got started with me when I went to the Blind Rehab Center, VA Blind Rehab Center up in Chicago, Illinois, in 2010, 2011, December 2010, 2011. And while I was up there, they asked me if I would be willing to go snow ski. They said, we know blind people snow ski but we've never done it here as a recreational outing. And we've got a lot of these younger veterans coming back from the war, uh, blind and visually impaired. And I just simply said, well, you know, twist my arm. If they can do it, we can do it. And it just exploded from that point of me just getting invited to go to these different events, then different opportunities, you know, 
snow skiing to rock climbing, mountaineering, kayaking, cycling, mountain, you just name it, just kind of endless. It's just been a very, very surreal and humbling life. So you mentioned that it takes a team. So you're getting ready to go snow skiing or kayaking. How many team members? Well, to go snow skiing, you know, it really only takes one to do it. I prefer to have two. <laughs> For me personally, I'm, I'm kind of a little unique when it comes to skiing. I like them to ring a cowbell out in front of me, and I chase the sound oh, oh. down the mountain. And, uh, you know, it just gives me direction to follow, and it keeps my head pointed down downhill and that just works for me this works extremely well for me being totally blind but then they'll also as a comfort level for them and me we'll put headset to a headset on with the person behind me so they can kind of sweep and and direct me if i need to move just a little left or something like that they'll tell me you know just hold that left line a little bit longer now go back on the cowbell and they'll tell me you know hey the pitch is going to get steeper in three, two, one, boom, or flatter in three, two, one, boom. And for the kayaking, it's very similar. Uh, I have someone in a kayak out in front of me, yelling voice commands, you know, just pop up, just making a sound and go right, go left, and someone behind me to give me correction moves or stroke should I need it. So prior to this, when you speak about training yourself to listen, is that extensive therapy that you received in Chicago, or do you, or how did you um, come to you know to have that discipline to listen? Well, uh, it just started. I mean, you know, once I lost my eyesight, then I just started really focusing on two other senses primarily, and and that thing I touched with my hands, feet, any any part of my body that touched it, and sound. You know, so and I like to tell people that, you know, they always ask us, that, you know, since since you did lose your eyesight, whether their, you know, senses were enhanced. And I truly don't hear better. I just focus on it. And the best way to describe that is when everybody goes to bed and they turn off the lights in their house. They start hearing all these sounds that they didn't hear when the lights were on. The vast majority of those sounds were there. But they were so focused on what they could see that they didn't tune in on it. Where me, you know, since I can't see, I just I just tune in on what I can hear. That's wonderful. Lonnie, I know I had the privilege of hearing you speak before. Could you share your story about how your daughter helped you and, and how you started mowing after the accident? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, what a special moment for me. I can, uh, well, just literally two months after the accident. I was lying on my uh, couch at home, lying on my back with my left foot on the floor and you know, realized that I kind of had to get up and get going. And I went to the closet here at, here at the house and took the handle out of the broom. Had no mobility training at the time. So I just started moving that broom back and forth in front of me and I went out the back door. A few steps into the yard, I was completely lost, but I kept going. And I hit the edge of my little field. The weeds were up to my chest at the time. And so I started falling the edge of the field around and I sensed something out in front of me and took a few steps out into the weed, swinging that broomstick out about shoulder high and hit my little barn. I just lowered my head and caught back here, turned around, started going back up across the yard and 
I ran into my youngest daughter, Taylor, and I call her Bug. She looked up at me, and she simply said, Daddy, what's wrong? And I told her, I said, ah, oh, nothing, Bug. She said, yeah, there is. What's wrong? I told her, well, I'm just a little frustrated. And I just heard her stomp her foot on the ground. She deepened her voice and said, Daddy, why are you frustrated? I was like, whoa, you know, I'm getting called out by a five-year-old. <laughs> but, you know, I told her, I said, well, if you have to know, girl, it's because I can't get into my little barn anymore without walking through chest-high weeds and I can't see to mow them. And she didn't hesitate. And she looked up at me and said, Daddy, I'll help you. Like, what? And she said, I'll help you, Daddy. You know, in my mind, like I said, we're just racing and thinking you're five and I'm blind and there's no way. And, you know, I'm supposed to be helping you, not you helping me. And, and you know, what if you get hurt or what if, what if I can't? Just all these what ifs just racing through my head. And as I stood there, I heard the words, trust me. You can do it. Trust me. And I know that girl didn't say it, but I heard it plain as day. I looked down at her and I said, okay, girl, if you got the guts, take my hand and lead me to the garage. And she took my pointer finger on my left hand and led me around the house, into the garage. We jumped on the riding lawnmower and after dodging the trucks and the tree and the fuel tank, she drove me straight out to that little barn. I shut up the lawnmower and had her go back up the house and watch. And then I fired it back up, engaged the blades and put my left hand on the barn and up there you are. And uh, I mowed a lap. Then I held the broomstick on the barn and mowed a second, excuse me, mowed a second lap and held it all the way out and I mowed a third. And when I shut off the lawnmower, I could hear her up the house just jumping around, squealing. And I walked straight up to her and she was jumping up and down. And she started saying, you did it, Daddy, you did it. I knew you could do it. I knew you could do it. And uh, I picked her up, gave her a big hug and said, you're right. And uh, But instead of fighting back tears, I had tears of hope just flowing off my face. <laughs> I tell people all the time, my three daughters, you know, they, uh, right then and there, I knew I was daddy. They changed my vision more than the loss of my eyesight ever did. Powerful moment. Thank you for sharing that. That's, it's a wonderful inspiration, I think, to any of us that just kind of get stuck on the couch. And it could be anything. It could be my mindset. It could be a disability. It could be anything that stops me from moving or even trying. And what your daughter did, you know, is something anybody can do at any time to tell somebody, I, I trust you, you can do this, and I will help. Yeah, I, you know, isn't that what, any, what we all want, is someone to simply believe in us and give us a chance? Absolutely. That's what they did. I was out, as a matter of fact, uh, this morning, push mowing around my pond. I'm about halfway around it. When we get done here, I'll go outside and fire up the lawnmower and finish push mowing around the rest of it. That's great. Can you also share how you started kayaking? Because kayaking... It's pretty easy to tip a kayak. I've been in one once 30 years ago, um, and that is tough. It's tough to get out of it and to roll it and all of that. How did, how did you learn that? Well, I was introduced to it at the Disabled American Veterans Winter Sports Clinic out in Snowmass, Colorado. And simply an organization called Team River Runner had kayaks out there for us to try. You know, it, it was created to, to help disabled veterans coming back from the war to, to re-engage and they call it button boats they just want to get button boats and health and healing through paddle sports is their motto and what, then they asked me they said why well, well, you're out here said, if you can get in this kayak and, and do one of those roles the first time in the pool you can win a t-shirt so they started teaching me the technique and me and a friend of mine we won a t-shirt 
And that led me to being invited to what they call an out-of-sight clinic in Montana, where I uh, took my hand at running my first whitewater uh, without eyesight. Actually, my first whitewater ever. I never was. I before lost my eyesight. I didn't do any of these adaptive sports before I lost my eyesight. No hiking, skiing, like I said, cycling, biking, none of it. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I had thought that maybe you yeah. did it before and you were just adapting to do it now, but no. No, this... no, not at all. You know, I have a, like I said, when I was up at that VA Blind Rehab Center, there was four young men who lost their eyesight as a result of combat. And I got well acquainted with them. And it really drove me to push myself to do these things. Because one of those uh, guys, he was asked to go to another clinic uh, where we were water skiing, cycling, and selling. And he refused to go unless I went. And they called me up and asked me if I'd come as a special guest for him. And, you know, without hesitation, I said, yeah. Like I said, between all of that, it, it really, it just exploded for me to constantly get asked. It's just humbling. just very, very, very humbling. And so I now, now it's just absolutely a passion of mine. To push myself to boundaries that I never thought I would try. As a matter of fact, in April and May of this coming year, we're going to go uh, uh, climb Mount Everest. I'm going to be joined by a blind female veteran, and then as we go climb Mount Everest and Lochi back to back. But you know, we just we just share this passion to show the power of what's possible. You know, it's it's not about me and her or me and anybody standing on top of a mountain. It's a vision to prove what each and every one of us are capable of doing and there's hardly nothing beyond us if we'll simply unite for a common goal if we'll just work together what can we not do so what you said Lonnie you already see yourself standing on Mount Everest yeah what a beautiful message so I I completely understand why people are booking you as an inspirational speaker because you speak to all of us as human beings on how we can help each other and how we can move beyond what we see. All of us can challenge ourselves to do things we've never done before. I know it's been very hard to book with you, Lonnie, because you've been on several mountains lately. <laughs> we've had to we've had to book this uh, podcast several times. It's like, well, I'm I'm gonna be on Mount whatever. It's like I've never heard that voicemail message before, but um, you're pretty busy. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I am. It's been, like I said, it's very humbling, very surreal. Uh, I just uh, was down in Columbus, Georgia a couple of weeks ago, kayaking, introducing some blind veterans and, and a blind teenager, a young man, to kayaking down there. Then from there up to Washington, D.C., to the Blind Veterans Association uh, annual convention and You've heard me say it already, probably four times during this, this interview. Surreal and humbling. Surreal and humbling. So this this has become your career. It it truly has. It truly has. And did you have a career before? Well, what I did before I started doing all this, after I lost my eyesight, I, I started building houses. Oh. Something I didn't do before, any part of before I lost my eyesight. I... Uh, now I've helped build over 30 homes. I don't know how many garages, decks, schools. I do anything from framing, sheeting, wiring, roofing. Um, it's just kind of all over the place. And, uh, I, I do very little of that anymore because I'm traveling so much. But 
I'm, I'm kind of known in the area as a little handyman for some elderly folks, uh, you know, can't do it. Uh, you know, I'll get up and patch a hole in the roof or fix the leak on their sink or replace the guts in their toilet. Just anything, anything that needs to be done. If I can help, I, uh, I do. You know, so many people give so much to me. How can I not? Always giving back. Give up. And I truly fight back tears thinking about that. I, I really do. And, and like you said, this, this career, how can you call it a career? You know, a career is something, it, it's work. And work is <laughs> a four-letter word. <laughs> it certainly is. And, uh, <laughs> and, and <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, to me, it's just an honor. It's just, uh, you know, my goodness. I mean, blindness has afforded me, and I say this a lot, too, blindness has afforded me the honor and privilege to experience the best part of humanity. So many times caring people, giving so much of themselves so that I can live a life that people don't think can be done. And, and you just watch and, and see it, not just for, for you know those of us who are blind, but I, I don't think there's a disability out there, and I mean none. From quadriplegic, incomplete quadriplegic to, to quad amputees, to all the cognitive disabilities, if you will, um, none of that I have not participated in an event with somebody with all those different disabilities and, and just watch it not only impact the participants' lives or my life, but to see it impact their family and then their community and just such a nature and, and sport and such a healing they're so healing they just truly are and helping people reconnect to life you know you talk a lot about the veterans I know that's a challenge to reconnect to life and to purpose and you're really helping do that I, I don't think I change anyone's lives I I truly believe I'm just <laughs> So blessed to be there when they decide to change their own life. Uh, whenever their caregiver takes them and allows them to change their life. You know, I guess that's one thing I would love to say to, to a lot of caregivers. And I describe it this way. If someone was to take your loved one, your child, your brother, sister, mother, father, and was going to throw them in a jail cell, unjustly for something that they didn't have any part of and get ready to shut and lock the door. Wouldn't you fight with all your might to prevent them from being able to do that, to shut and lock that door? The answer I always get when I ask them that is yes. So then I turn around and say, okay, why are you going? If your child, like their loved one, has an opportunity to experience life, areas it might be to let them do that, why would you not allow them? to do something. Why would you shut the door on their life on an opportunity? That's the message I guess I would have to them. And I think about the pandemic, and I know I'm rambling, so please forgive me if, if I go too far, but I think about this pandemic. If we have not learned one thing from this pandemic, it's the value of each and every one of us. Who would have ever thought that some of the workers that they listed as essential workers would be considered essential prior to the pandemic. Most people would say, no, nah, that's not essential work for that. But yet, we come to find out the truth. They are essential. We are essential. Each and every one of us brings value to this world. And it's a matter of proving that, seeing that, showing that. 
Lonnie, I also know that you're an author. What What is the book that you have out, and how can you get a copy of it? The title of my book is 226, 226-mile Grand Canyon Adventure is the way it's listed in some places, and 226, I become the first blind person to kayak the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. And it can be purchased on multiple levels through Amazon, so many different platforms out there, books, uh, bookstores now are carrying it. It's a, it's a little autobiography, if you will. Simple little read for a simple person like I am. It starts with me growing up and a few stories there from my parents. Talked about me joining a few stories in the military. Uh, Talked about the accident in detail. Uh, uh, recovery and culminates with the first trip down the Grand Canyon. And what I think personally makes the book is the voices of some of the other people that are in it. Wonderful. Do you have any upcoming um, speaking engagements if someone wanted to hear your story? I have uh, an upcoming speaking event in at Central Michigan University at the end of September. And in October, I have uh, the NR conference up in Noblesville, Indiana. And I hope I said that correctly. <laughs> and, uh, and I know I have a couple of others sprinkled in there as well. And I'm just missing them off the top of my head right now. So are they on your, do you have a website that they can go? Please just go to my website, LonnieBedball.com. There's a link in there where you, I can be reached or simply send me an email at Lonnie.r.bedwell at gmail. Great. Can you give that contact information one more time? Lonnie.r.bedwell at gmail.com. That's L-O-N-N-I-E dot R dot B-E-D-W-E-L-L at gmail.com. Wonderful. We are so happy that you were our guest today, Lonnie. We've enjoyed talking to you. And I have had the privilege of hearing you twice. I heard you at RHI Sports. And then I also heard you at LEL Home Services. And I look forward to hearing you at the NR conference because I will be there as well. And I've read your book and and I've really enjoyed spending time with you, Lonnie. Um, You're a wonderful person and I love the inspiration that you bring to all of our lives. I will look forward to meeting you at the NR conference. I haven't had that, um, that opportunity, but I definitely look forward to you. And this has been a wonderful conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you both. And thank you all. And that's, um, what you guys do is just amazing for so many. And even the, the platform like this to, to help us tell a story is so appreciated. And each and every one of you out there, you have to realize and believe in your value and your purpose. And you're all special and wanted, needed, and loved. And you have to believe that. And thank each and every one of you. Thank you, Lonnie. Thank you. Thank you. We want to thank you for joining the Good Life Conversation podcast. For additional information about today's topic, contact Carmela or Cindy at goodlife at L-E-L-H-S dot The conversation, conversation for a good life. life for all starts with you.